Well, good morning. I'm Stephen. I'm the pastor. And I want to invite you to open your Bibles or turn on your phones to Romans chapter 5. Um, the, the verses we're going to look at are also in your bulletin. So you can look there. There's a place to take notes as well. We're in a series called Heaven is Here. Um, I think this graphic, it's just this is some of the beauty of where we live. Um, and uh, so life is beautiful here, but the challenge is that, that we suffer. Um, this, even this photo reflects that, right? The, the photo, there's beauty to the photo, and yet it's imperfect. It's incomplete. Uh, we could say that suffering metaphorically is represented in the way that uh, this graphic is, uh, is incomplete, but it's not just that it's incomplete. Um, this graphic, in some ways, or life, I guess, life isn't just incomplete because of suffering. Life is vandalized because of suffering. Um, pain, disappointment, fear, resentment, these things cast a shadow on our lives, and we need help when it comes to suffering. We need to hear from God. We, need, we have questions. Um, we need answers. And I, and I want to say that the answer isn't just forgiveness. Okay, forgiveness with God doesn't meet all of your needs. And this is important. Uh, it's wonderful to be forgiven, but forgiveness isn't a complete answer, especially when we deal with and we talk about suffering. Um, and the good news is that the Bible doesn't think that forgiveness is a complete answer either. Uh, let me give you an illustration. Um, if someone is out and they're driving drunk, uh, and let's say they cause a huge accident on the freeway, that drunk driver is injured and wounded and is in serious trouble. Uh, there's two groups of people who would show up at the scene of the accident, right? Who are they? Yep, I mean, so first you got the police, right? The police will show up, um, and then the paramedics, right? Both groups of people... Uh, illustrate the two major problems that the driver has. The police show up because the driver's got legal problems. He's broken the law. Um, but if someone were to come to the scene of the crime and find the driver and tell the driver, hey, listen, your crimes are forgiven. Don't worry. You've been declared forgiven. You're innocent of all charges. Would the driver be okay? <laughs> no. No, the driver has a broken leg, has a concussion, has severe lacerations across their body, has internal bleeding. Um, that driver might not even be able to hear you tell them that their crimes are forgiven. And so forgiveness of sins would be a wonderful gift that that driver doesn't deserve. But again, forgiveness isn't enough. And so the paramedics show up also because the driver's got medical problems Two. Uh, we could say it this way, forgiven people can't live if they aren't healed. And this is what Romans 5 through 8 is all about. Okay, this is why the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome doesn't end with chapter 4. Romans 5 begins a brand new section um, of this letter that transitions from dealing with a sinner's legal problems before God, right? We have legal problems before a perfect God who is perfectly just when we are guilty as sinners, right? We have legal problems. Well, the first section of Romans, one through four, deals with that. And it describes, the way we describe here at Harbor, it says, it describes the work of Christ for us 
to bring us forgiveness and acceptance with God. But then if Romans 1 through 4 is our, deals with our legal problems before God, Romans 5 through 8 begins to deal with our medical problems before God. That spiritually speaking, we don't walk the way we should. We don't live the way we ought to. And so we need healing. Some of us are spiritually concussed. Um, spiritually speaking, we don't think straight. We don't think clearly, right? We don't live the way we should live. We don't act the way we should act. We don't do the things that we should do. And Romans 5 through 8 addresses these things by talking about the work of Jesus, not for you, but the work of Jesus in you, in you, okay? And so, um, so we're going to read Romans 5, 1 through 4, and today we're going to focus on verses 3 to 4. Um, and what we're going to see here, again, is that especially when it comes to suffering, we need God's powerful working in us, not just for us. And so let's look at Romans 5, 1 to 4 together. It'll be up on the screens in your bulletin. It says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Verse 3, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So we're going to focus on verses 3 and 4. And if you just step back, like even before, if you want a 10-second sermon, ready for this? Here's a 10-second sermon on verses 3 and 4. There are some benefits to suffering. Good things come out of suffering. And if we keep these good things in mind, it will help us. So if you're good, you can leave. We'd be done. Um, there's something in this passage, though, that is very jarring to me. It's very striking, especially knowing, just knowing the application and the people in our family here uh, at church, knowing my own life. And it's, um, it's verse three where, where it says, we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings. I mean, what's the deal with this? Like how, like, how is this possible? I think for us to get at this, we need to look at both of these words. We need to look at the word suffering. We need to look at the word rejoice and talk about these things. So first, I want to talk about suffering. Okay, suffering is a topic that is addressed in different ways throughout the whole Bible. Okay, if anybody wants to tell you that they can communicate to you all that the Bible says about suffering and they give you one verse, run for the hills. Um, there are so many different places where the Bible talks about suffering and there are so many different ways and different perspectives that the Bible has on suffering. It's because there's different kinds of suffering and in different ways um, the Bible deals with suffering differently. Um, there's some suffering that's caused by us living in a broken world. Okay, we live in a world that's broken. It's been broken by sin, but it's been damaged. It's not, we, it doesn't operate the way it's supposed to operate. And so some suffering is because we live in a broken world. And so there's sickness, accidents, misunderstandings. Um, sometimes just a result of being in a broken world, getting laid off, 
tragedy and death are part of the reality that we live in because the world is broken. And that kind of suffering is more particularly uh, dealt with in Romans chapter 8. Okay, so three or four chapters away, um, someday we'll get there. Um, But there, the Bible says that everyone is frustrated and everyone laments over that kind of suffering, including God. God actually grieves with us when we experience that kind of suffering. And God, along with us, longs for that kind of suffering to end. Then there's a different kind of suffering that we experience specifically because we live as Christians, we live out of step with the people in the world around us. Okay, and so this includes the suffering of persecution. There are some people that are so angry at people who are Christian that they're willing to torture them and physically abuse them because of their faith in Jesus. Um, And so this is happening. This doesn't happen so much in our country, but it's happening in different parts of the world. Um, We've talked about that in the past. Um, Again, where people are just treated differently because they're Christian. Now, this isn't just the kind of suffering that would classify as persecution. Um, It also includes people like us who are ridiculed at work or in school for being serious about Jesus. Okay? It includes being ostracized or excluded because you want to honor Jesus with your life. So do you ever feel this way? Do you ever feel like you're out of step with the people in the world around you? Well, guess what? That's because you are out of step with the people in the world around you. If you make a commitment that Jesus is your Lord, that God has revealed himself in Jesus, that Jesus died and rose for you, and if you're committed to following him, then you are committed to a path of life that is going to be radically different from other people who haven't made that kind of commitment. And so the reason you feel out of step is because you are out of step. And this suffering can be very excruciating. Well, I mean, it's hard because like, it's not persecution. And sometimes you feel like, well, yeah, but there's people being persecuted, so I should not feel bad about the kind of suffering that I experience from other people. And I want to just say, nah, uh um, The kind of persecution I think that we feel is what one person called the death of a thousand paper cuts. It's little things that build up over time. It's little things that cause you to feel like a small measure of discouragement, but over time they add up and they just make you feel like you don't belong. They make you feel like your life is, like you're missing out, like other people think you're weird, and that is real, that's real suffering. And the Bible acknowledges that as real suffering. Um, And so it's important for us to see that's the kind of suffering that this passage is talking about when we're out of step with the world. Um, This kind of suffering that that, that verse 3 is talking about also includes the pain of the struggle to fight against our sin. Okay? Um, So... The pain of trying to follow Jesus in the area of your sexuality, 
That's suffering, right? I mean, we suffer to follow Jesus, right? The frustration of trying to resist temptation to go after porn or with masturbation. In a different area of life, it's, it's the suffering of battling with your sins of anger in relationships, right? It's difficult. It's not easy, right? You want to fly off the handle. You want to speak your mind. And, and the, the, the control, the restraint that you put on yourself causes you to suffer, doesn't it? So that anger that you, that you struggle against or the loneliness that you feel because you're not in a relationship that you want to be in. I mean, suffering for us is often the determination not to give up in the fight to put Jesus first. Are you with me? I mean, the struggle that, man, the only reason, like, I see all my friends, I see all of my coworkers, I see everybody else doing this. They're hooking up, they're having fun, they're just not worried about stuff, and yet I'm trying to follow Jesus. I wish I could just sort of rest in the current and just flow. Life would be so much easier. Life would be so much more enjoyable, but I've got to stand against the current because Jesus is over there. He's not over there. That fight, that determination, that is, that's, the, that's the suffering that this verse is talking about. And so this is the suffering that verse three tells us. The Bible says that in this suffering, we are to rejoice. We're to rejoice in suffering. So how is this possible? Well, we need to understand what this word rejoice means. It's got a pretty wide meaning, okay? Um, the word means that what you're rejoicing in is proof and assurance, okay? That to rejoice in your sufferings means that you have confidence that you belong to God. So what you're, what you're rejoicing in is actually proof that you are part of God's family. So when you suffer for being a Christian, whether it's because other people mistreat you um, or because it's so difficult to follow Jesus in this life, the sufferings that you experience are proof that you belong to God. And that assurance should move you to rejoice. So you might ha not have what you want, but because you're following Jesus and you're suffering for it, that's proof that you belong to God. And so what this is saying is that when you put God first in your life, especially when following God causes you great suffering, that's proof that you are his child because you look like God's only begotten child. So Jesus lived his entire life not flowing down the current of the culture of his day, not following the example of the people, but Jesus stood against the current, held on to God, and continued to follow after God against the current and was reaching out and helping other people come along with him. For those of you who remember the movie Superman forever and ever and ever ago when Lois Lane dies and Superman gets so angry that he flies 
around the earth against the, the, the rotation of the earth. I mean, and flies so fast and so, like, so many times that he actually turns the earth in the other direction, right? And so it turns back time and Lois Lane comes back to life and he prevents her from dying, which is, you know, that was really cool way back then. Um, long, long time ago. In some ways, that's what Jesus did with his life. He entered into this life where the current was going this way and he struggled and he suffered in huge ways and in minor ways, fighting against that current, fighting against the temptation to sin, um, to reverse the course of the world. And everything that he did demonstrated that he was connected to the God who was his father. When you suffer, you can rejoice because it's proof that you are following Jesus. Tim Keller said this. He said, suffering is unbearable if you aren't certain that God is for you and with you. Like if you don't know for sure that God is there, he's for you and he's with you, suffering is unbearable. And so this passage shows that if you're suffering, God is with you and he's for you. And we're going to see two things about the power of suffering from these verses. Two things. First, we're going to see that suffering makes you strong. Um, Suffering makes you strong. This is verses three and four. It says, suffering, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character. And so, man, this makes you strong. Endurance is the ability to live under the pressures of life and the burden of suffering. Okay, the, the word endurance in Greek, it's a compound word, and it literally means to remain under. So if you're in the gym, you put a barbell on your shoulders, and it's got, I don't know, 225 pounds, you got two plates on both sides, and you're literally like sitting underneath the weight of that, and you're holding it up. This is what endurance is. Endurance is the ability, it's the strength to have the pressures of life and the burdens of life on your shoulders and to remain under it. To not give up, to not flow down the current with the world, but to remain under it. And so it makes you strong. I mean, suffering is weight. Suffering is weight, and it's designed to make you stronger. Suffering is a workout. Um, Some of you love going to the gym. Most of you, the idea of working out is not an exciting prospect, right? There are times when when I'm excited to go out for a run, and there's other times where I'm literally begging for some emergency to happen so that I don't have to go and do this, right? Or I'll start my run and I'll feel like I'm like running with cinder blocks on my shoes, you know? And I'm like, I just want to stop, right? So that's how working out can feel, right? And so for me to say, you know what? Hey, suffering, it's endurance training. It's It's like working out. You're like, that's not good news. (laughs) Like, this isn't helpful. Suffering produces endurance, 
not good news. I thought Jesus had good news for me. What's the deal here? Like, I don't, like, I'm cool being weak. I don't need to be that strong. Like, can I just, I, I, come on, like, I don't want this. Um, sorry. <laughs> I wish it was something radically inspirational that I could tell you. But what the Bible says sometimes is, yeah, life is really hard. Um, and the design of it actually is to make you strong. Is to make you strong. God actually doesn't want weak Christians. He loves them, brings them in. Like when everyone gets started, we're already, we're all weak. We all start out as infant Christians, right? We're born again, we're newborn. Um, and so uh, in some ways, God's got to reveal all kinds of really good things for us when we first start out to keep us going, right? Um, but as we get older, God is more concerned, not with us having an easy life, but with us being strong, and suffering produces endurance. And that endurance, when it comes to spiritual life, it produces character. And so we end up looking like Jesus. We end up living like Jesus. Your faith grows when you see that though there's weight on you, though you're in a difficult relationship, though you're in a hopeless situation, though you're struggling with a job that you don't see the end of or you don't feel like there's purpose in it, God is giving you, he's, he's strengthening you. He's giving you endurance and you end up looking like Jesus. And this character that we have is further proof that we belong to God. Our ability to not freak out, to not go postal in our lives but to stay up underneath that weight is a character that looks like Jesus. Um, I want to share with you the story of uh, Johnny Erickson Tata. Um, when she was 18, she dove into a bay and misjudged the depth of the water. She broke her neck and became a quadriplegic, so she was paralyzed from the shoulders down. She prayed constantly for healing and had so many other people praying for her healing. And as the months of paralysis turned into years, she slipped into anger and bitterness and depression. She struggled to know why God hadn't healed her. But she came to a point in her life where she humbled herself. She stopped complaining and began to accept God and his plan and what God might have in store and Jesus came near to her, even though he didn't heal her physically. And after 46 years of living, paralyzed from the neck down, here's what she has to say. Quote, Oh Jesus, thank you, thank you for the no answer to my request for physical healing. You really knew what you were doing so many years ago because no answer to a request, I'm sorry, because a no answer to a request for physical healing has purged so much sin out of my life, so much of my selfishness, so much of my bitterness, and I would not trade it for any amount of walking. She said that is the deeper healing. That's the real healing. And then she said this, God may remove your suffering and that will be a great cause for praise. But if not, he will use it. 
He will use anything and everything that stands in the way of your relationship with him. And so let God mold you and make you, transform you from glory to glory. That's the deeper healing. And you don't have to break your neck to receive it. So why doesn't God take away our problems or our suffering or the brokenness of life? You need an answer to that to keep going, don't you? Like, why doesn't he do it? Well, from beginning to end, the Bible says it's because God is not looking in this life to make people whose, whose lives have everything that goes their way. That's not God's design. If God fixed everything, it would make it seem as though the problem that we have is our circumstances. That's what would happen. If God fixed all our problems the minute we got saved, it would make us and everyone believe that the problem that we have is actually our circumstances. Like the problem is only out there. That's not the reality. The problem that we have is a heart problem. The problem that we have is a spiritual problem. And how do we know this? Well, who are the people that would tell us and prove to us that the answer isn't that our life circumstances need to work out? Like, who's proof of that? It's the people who have the life that we all want, and yet they're not happy. Right, who are the people that can prove to you that money won't make you happy? It's the rich people who aren't happy. Right, who is it that can convince you that you'd be happy if you could just be in the relationship that you wanted? It's the person in the relationship who's not happy. Right? Who are the people who would convince you that marriage isn't going to solve your problems? It's the people who are married. <laughs> who are the people who are going to convince you, who could prove to you that having children isn't going to meet the deepest need of your heart? It's the people with kids. I mean, all of us, we spend so much time chasing after, thinking that the circumstances of our lives are what we need to get fixed if we're really going to be happy. And God is saying, no. It's not the problem. And God shows us and proves this to us by our suffering. When we don't get what we want, when we suffer through the brokenness of life, through the persecution of other people, big time, low key suffering, I mean, all these different things, when we learn to rejoice in our suffering, we grow endurance, we grow character, we become strong. We realize that God is actually the answer. It's a relationship with him that meets our deepest needs and that the answer is endurance and character. And this is where God becomes palpably real. It's when we're suffering and God draws near that we realize 
that God is stronger than our suffering. It's when we're in the midst of it and it's not ending and we don't know when it's going to end. But God is there and we're not alone. And we can keep going and we can keep holding on. It's when we are struggling because we failed again and we're still holding out and trying to lean toward Jesus and we feel like we're getting pushed back by the culture, by the people around us, but we're still holding on to Jesus and we know that he loves us and he's with us. That's when we realize that we can have the ability to rejoice in our sufferings. And the fact that we're holding on is proof it's proof. That's when God becomes real. Um, resident theologian and staff member Chad Gray had this to say. This was awesome. He said, God doesn't call us out of life's difficulty, frustration, confusing and painful situations. He sends us into them with everything we need. Man. That's it. I mean, this is why we need to trust Jesus. This is why you need to put your faith in him, whether it's for the first time or if it's the 101st time, right? In the areas of your life where you're holding on to other things, you're putting other things ahead of God, come back. It will be difficult. You will feel like you're suffering because you will be suffering. But it's worth it. It's worth it. And so suffering makes you strong. Um, the second thing suffering does is it pries you off of this life. Suffering pries you off of this life. The end of verse four says that character produces hope. Hope. We talked about hope last week. Um, hope is God's future. Um, hope is the world that God is going to bring that will, where he's gonna right every wrong. Um, hoping in that is desperately longing for the impact of God's presence to come from the future into the present, right? We're longing for God's future world to come. And so suffering produces endurance that produces character that produces hope. So suffering pushes us to look beyond the present and into the future. Suffering does this. It's, it's kind of like a crowbar, right? For us, our relationship with stuff in the world is like we cling to it, right? We so desperately want to be in a relationship. We so desperately want success in our career. We start following Jesus and we're like, oh, wait, Jesus is over there, but oh, I, got, I got to have more money. Like, I gotta have, I don't know, I, I, I'm just not gonna worry about this one area of my life that God doesn't really like, but, but I, I want, gee, like, and we're torn, right? Because we're stuck on this world. We think that what other people think of us matters more to us than what God thinks. We think we're gonna be happy if other people are approving of the decisions that we're making in our life. And if they don't approve us, then we can't function. And what suffering does, suffering's like this crowbar that like peels our hands off of the things of this life and frees us to be able to run 
after Jesus and the world that he is bringing. Man, this is what suffering does for us. And as this happens, it's like Jesus is prying us off of a sinking ship. And the good news is that when we do this, when we let go of these things and we cling on to Jesus and we follow him, um, Jesus often will give us back all kinds of things from this life. He will give back to us, oftentimes, family, community, relationships, career, achievement, success, and influence. He wants us actually to have those things. He wants us to enjoy those things, but he doesn't want those things to come in front of him. Because when anything comes in front of him, then that becomes more important to us than God. That becomes our God, and these things can't satisfy us in the only way that God can. But if we put him first... Oftentimes, he gives us back so much of these things because he wants us to have them. He wants us to use them, not only to be thankful to him, to rejoice with him, but to share them with others. And so, as we hope in the future, we find that we don't need the present like we used to. We find that it's okay if life is difficult right now because the future is coming. And so suffering actually has the power to change our orientation. It gives us this heavenward perspective. It makes us think things that we would never think of while we're clinging to the stuff from this life. John Piper says this, in the way that only John Piper seems to be able to. Here's a quote about suffering. He says, not only is all of your affliction momentary, not only is all of your affliction light in comparison to eternity and the glory that's there, but all of it, all of your affliction is totally meaningful. Every millisecond of your pain, whether it's pain from the fallen nature or fallen man, every millisecond of your misery in the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory that you will get because of that. I don't care if it's cancer or criticism. I don't care if it was slander or sickness. It wasn't meaningless. It's doing something. It's not meaningless. Of course, you can't see what it's doing. Don't look to what is seen. When your mom dies, when your kid dies, when you've got cancer at 40, when a car careens into the sidewalk and takes her out, don't say, that's meaningless. It's not it's working for you in eternal weight of glory. Therefore, therefore, do not lose heart, but take these truths and day by day focus on them. Preach them to yourself every morning. Get alone with God and preach his word into your heart and into your mind until your heart sings with confidence that you are new and cared for. 
this is how you get to the place where you can rejoice in your sufferings. And when you do this, when you do this, you're going to find something's going to happen to you. Not only will you be able to rejoice in your sufferings, but you're going to find that God gives you enough to share with others. One of our leaders said this recently, holding the pain of others is so rewarding. She said, Jesus mercifully held all our pain on the cross. And then we are rewarded with grateful hearts that are filled with his mercy and pure hearts that can finally see God as he really is. As hungry beggars, we reach out for what he offers and we are not only satisfied, but we now have leftovers of the bread of life that we are compelled to share. And now we can walk into the darkest places with the most broken people without fear, without judgment, without condemnation. We come to hear the painful stories, to hold on to the pain, and to walk through it with others, just as Jesus did for us. Our reward then is their peace and their hope. Life is worth the dying. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for not ignoring us in our suffering, but experiencing it yourself and then telling us, encouraging our hearts and using it to give us strength and character. Jesus, thank you for turning our lives upside down that we could see our suffering in this way of blessing. Draw near to each one of us. Help us to see how you are at work. Help us to see the endurance and the character and the hope that comes as we grow strong and as we stop looking to this world to make us happy. Strengthen us so that we can rejoice in you and help others to find their hope and their joy in you as well. Amen.